Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Very excited to have with us uh, on the show today, guitarist Bill Frizzell. Guitarist is, I think, uh, really too narrow a label. He is a universally admired musician. Um, In prepping for this, Aaron read a book about him. I watched a documentary about him. And, you know, people like Paul Simon and Bonnie Raitt and and really every musician you'll meet, uh, you know, expresses universal admiration for Bill Frizzell. And his body of work is inspiring in its uh, diversity and wonderful musicality. And we've had a great time uh, digging into it. And uh, Aaron, as a guitarist, as as our listeners know, has uh, long been a a Bill Frizzell fan. was telling me the other day about, you know, remembering getting his first Bill Frizzell album, right, in in Amherst. Is that right? That's right. At the record shop. (laughs) And... uh, so yeah, it's uh, this is a special one for us, and we're gonna uh, be discussing his latest release. Yeah, I, I that was a big moment for me as a as, aspiring as an aspirational jazz guitarist uh, who was uh, remediating himself in all things that were uh, traditional jazz forms. It kind of listening to uh, uh, Good Dog Happy Man allowed me to liberate myself from uh the narrow conception of 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 bebop guitar and uh really expand my mind to other things that i like to listen to and that was a it's been a a much more inspiring journey as a uh as a result of that the album that uh brian and i uh would like to talk about today is your latest release four uh which features you along with uh pianist uh, gerald clayton uh, readist uh, Gregory Tardy and uh, drummer Jonathan Blake. 
uh, and this is a, a collection of new work and some uh, some pieces that have uh, appeared on uh, on prior albums as well. Looking over your long recording career, there are certain albums that are uh, overtly conceptual, like the Buster Keaton uh, album and the music for his silent films, uh, Dis Farmer with songs written for a uh, an exhibition of black and white photos from the early 20th century. Uh, and there's other albums that have thematic threads as well, maybe stylistically or in terms of the... Uh, uh, the themes that inspired them. For this album, for four, uh, it seems to me that the uh, overarching theme is music as eulogy and uh, songs that uh, inspire uh, remembrance and celebration of lives of, of people lost. And I'm uh, curious to hear you talk a little bit. A, a few of these songs are, are written for people uh, who are part of your life. And I'm curious the process of creation where you try to sublimate grief and loss into something, uh, into something new and creative. Um, what, what is that for you? Yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's interesting to me. The, the it, I definitely was not thinking about that going into it. You know, it's, it's something that sort of, it's almost like it was brought to my attention from the outside in a way. Um, I mean, the music is always reflecting what's going on, right? So what, whenever I play, it's I'm playing what I'm being affected by that day or, or whatever's happening, you know? So it's sort of it's so many things with what I do, the way they're perceived. I become aware of it after the fact. So like this, this album, it came about, I don't even know when I, I started thinking about this common. It started with the thinking of this combination of musicians getting together and playing. That was the, spark right it's just this thing that kept because i'd played with i'd played with all of them in in different circumstances and i kept thinking oh yeah i wonder what it'd sound like if you know i knew i wanted to do something with jonathan and i wanted and gerald and this and that and it started forming this idea about wow if this if they were if we were all together you know and then this this is even before the pandemic, I, I was thinking about these guys and I'm always sort of thinking about, oh, I wonder what would happen if this person met this person or that, you know, that's that's kind of always going on. And I get to play with so many people all the time. It's it's happening all the time. It's like, oh, wow, be so cool if so-and-so met so-and-so. So that started happening way back. And then the pandemic happens, and suddenly all my activities are, which, you know, traveling around and playing, just it's from one day to the next just stopped. And what really saved me during that time was just I started writing all this. It's almost like a diary or something. I just would write 
it's almost like drawing in a sketchbook or something, you know, I just would every day I've, I've got this piles and piles of stuff I've written. So I was doing that. And then as time went on, I was, I had one album that was recorded right before the pandemic that came out during the pandemic. And then this big space of time went by and I, I was with Don was um, the president of Blue Note. We, he was in town and he said, do you want to go? We went to the Village Vanguard to hear Ravi Coltrane's band with Jonathan Blake was actually playing that night. And hmm. it was sort of almost like, like I told you, this thing was floating around in my mind and I remember that night I just said, oh, yeah, maybe I'll just, uh, I I better just ask, see what Don thinks about this idea. And I've been so lucky with him. He's so supportive of whatever seems to come into my mind. He's like, yeah, let's do it, you know. So we were sitting there at the Vanguard, and I said, you know, I I was thinking about this thing with Jonathan and Gerald and, and Greg, and, you know, he's, he knows all those guys and he's fans of their music. And he, it was just, there wasn't even a hesitation. He just said, let's do it. So then suddenly my little dream idea is a reality. And then a few months later we did it. (laughs) And now it's out. And then I guess what happened after it was done, you know, a lot of the music was written during this this time where I lost a lot of friends and I, I wasn't, con- I wasn't, I didn't set, I guess what I'm trying to get, it's taken me forever to <laughs> explain this, but it, it didn't start out as being a eulogy or it just, I think it just reflects what what was going on, you know. I was people were leaving and and everyone was isolated and alone and then we we finally got to get back together and so it's just sort of somehow it reflects that. You know, a lot of times the music I, or almost always the title of a piece comes after the music for me, you know, I'll write, I'll write a song and then I'll record it. And then, Oh, I need to have a title. And somehow these, I guess what it's, there was Hal Wilner, my close friend who passed away right early in the pandemic. And then, uh, Ron Miles, my, you know, brother, friend for more than 30 years. Hal was more than 40 years. Um, Alan Woodard, I mentioned there. Claude Utley, a painter friend. Um, uh, somehow they were all on my mind, you know, when when it came time to put the final thing together so um 
it was I didn't I I'm just saying I didn't set out to yeah that, but that's what happened well uh, uh like many listeners I, I I'm I'm comfortable creating my own narrative and, and having it hit me that way but uh it uh I'm glad these things coalesced in a way that uh, they could uh you know they could be named as a, a remembrance for 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 people in in your life the 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 Claude Utley song in particular comes across as is a lament at, at times um mm-hmm. and I, it's 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 a it's a powerful a powerful thing sense it's certainly you know a piece of art of the times um another another um kind of approach to the album that occurred to me um is that it seems to almost track by track uh demonstrate some of the hallmarks of of other parts of your career you've got you know americana and pioneers and and blues with monroe chamber music modern jazz you know cinematic noir kind of stuff a re a reinventions reimaginings um and i wonder you know i i've read and, and it's apparent listening to your music that that there's sort of just music it's not about genre but i wondered if looking back at the album as a whole after it was created if that jumped out at you as well that it demonstrated all these things and, and covered all of this territory uh or if maybe you don't even see it that way i guess i don't i mean i'm not again i'm so many things ha- I'm not conscious. Like I said, the, it happens later. The what 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 we call it, or what it, when I'm in the midst of making it, I'm not thinking about what it what it is really. And I mean, one thing that for me is interesting, and it's happening more and more as I'm getting older, like, you know, there's these tunes on there that I've recorded in the past. That's what gets, it's getting interesting for me, like to go back to some song that I wrote 30 years ago. That's one, one advantage of getting older, I guess, is you you get to look at these things through a different lens. You know, it's, 
like that song we recorded, Look Out for Hope, which was, I wrote that, I don't know when, 30 years ago or something. And, yeah. but I never felt like I got it quite right. You know, I did it the first time and then I did it a few years later and I kept coming back to it like, yeah, there's something, something I like about this, but it's just, I can't quite, there's something missing or there's something or there's too much or there's too, and I don't know when it was. I, I finally felt like, oh, okay, now I finally got sort of the the structure of it is now I feel like I'm I'm sure this is gonna change too. <laughs> but <laughs> at least more recently I felt like I finally kind of arrived at a structure for the song where the song is there and it's in a solid form after all these years and then okay now i've got these guys let's see what it sounds like now that i figured that out so it, it's you know it's like it happens more like with with older like an old standard song like i'll play body and soul thousands of times throughout my life and and every time you play it you you find different pathways through it or different aspects of it will emerge. And so now that's actually starting to happen with my own songs, which is kind of interesting, you know, to look at a, something that I wrote in 1983 and, and see things like understand things about what I wrote back then that I didn't even nowhere there at the beginning so so that that's that's happening for me in this in this out and then also it's not just me actually a lot of it is it's not that i'm understanding my song but to bring it to some people that have never heard it before or or played it and then that that's like a thrilling thing to hear what someone else's take on it is without I don't really I, I I never really talk about what I never tell people what to play you know when I I read that I don't know if it, if Jack DeJanet was quoting Duke Ellington or if Jack DeJanet said that or it wasn't that long ago I heard this quote, like if if you have to tell, if you have a band and you have to tell people what to play, you've got the wrong guys in the band. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I really feel like that the people that I play with are just the people that I, they're my teachers, you know, they're, I'm not like, I, I've never been comfortable with that I'm I'm not like the leader of the band. I'm just I just been lucky to get these people together so I can try to learn something from them. You know, I'm I'm looking to them to shock me and surprise me and challenge me and inspire me. So 
I'm glad you brought up um, Look Out for Hope. That's actually a little exercise that, that Brian and I had done. We were listening to the original, very avant-garde recording of that from the uh, the album of the same title back in the late 80s. And then listening to the Further East, Further West live recording with, with Victor, Victor Krauss, which has this it's a totally different take on it with this kind of raw yeah. bass ostinato and a long vamp and like more uh, aggressive uh, guitar treatment of it. And then the new one, which is, I, I, I have a affection for the bass clarinet, uh, has this very spacious counterpointy uh, approach to it. But throughout, it's, it's this one, you know, succulent detective noir melody that is you know, living different lives in different periods with different people. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious, why, do you know why it is for you? You keep coming back to that one? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that in particular, it's like somehow the melody has survived through all this time. Like the melody is pretty much intact the way it always was, but there was something so the first time I recorded it, there's the melody and there's this bass line. It's really just two, two parts. It's the melody and then there's this underlying thing. And I mean, I'm happy with that. It's, it's, it's all good, but there was something, it just wasn't a practical, <laughs> something, <laughs> impractical about it. I don't know. It didn't really it was hard to open it up in a way. And and so then what happened, then Victor came along, our friend, <laughs> and he came up with this a whole nother baseline that's more grooving. Yeah, just goes you know it's like that's i should have given him writing credit for that because because <laughs> the baseline if that's his thing is that that version is so much about victor and then it's just that my melody floating on the top you know and and that freed it up you know it's like okay now it's wide open and i'm just gonna I've got the melody and I can just, you know, go off on Victor laying it down for me, you know, and then, but then the years go by and then I'm thinking, man, I kind of missed, there's something I was, what from what I had originally written with that original baseline. So I went back and started looking at that again. And then finally, took some things away and placed it. It was sort of about the way things were mm -hmm. spaced out or placed that I finally, oh, okay, now everything's in the right place. And it, it works as a, as a complete structure or something.
know so, if that all makes sense. To... So, so instead of it being kind of a, I guess I had originally lumped it in with something like your album Sweetest Punch or reimaginings or your interpretations of of the songs by Elvis Costello and Burt Bacharach. It's in this case, it's more of an evolution, really. Yeah, yeah, just a refinement. Slowly, sometimes it takes forever. It seems like, or even even learning. For me, learning a song, it's incredible how many things, like with a a Thelonious Monk song or a Billy Strayhorn song, or I mean, those are maybe more complex, but even even a whatever you think of as a a folk song or some it any kind of song the longer i stay with it and keep coming back to it it's it keeps blowing my mind how more things are revealed along the way you know it's i can't tell you how many times that's happened like something that i've played for years and years and years and then i'll listen and it's like oh my god you know what i didn't realize there was one you know, one note that I hadn't noticed before, one little, some detail somewhere that'll just, it just keeps happening and happening and happening, like more and more and more is revealed. And what happens when somebody else takes that melody and does and does their own setting for that? Jerry Douglas had done a, a version of Look Out for Hope as well, which I, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to confess. I thought it was the original. I was like, "Oh wow, Bill Frisell is doing that Jerry Douglas tune," but <laughs> I, I, I got it. I got it. I got it sorted out. But um, is that is Victor on that? I think Victor's Victor, on that one too. Yeah. yeah so that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I imagine you know for something that's like a, an older melody of yours to appear then again in like a totally different setting with a guy who's a, a you know a, a a bluegrass player on a on a slide instrument is like a whole nother. Uh, yeah take on this this thing that has a life of its own now no it's that's i love it's so thrilling and it's an honor you know to if someone else thinks it's worth playing you know and then to hear well like i said that you know with within my own band it's 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 amazing to hear other people's take on it but then you know to hear someone else in a whole nother band yeah playing music is is it's an honor you know um the tune uh monroe which was originally on uh good dog happy man appears again on this one and in the original album which again that was my first album i got that song always kind of hit me as kind of like a hank williams-esque kind of slow honky tonk oh, yeah, song yeah. On this one, it's like this real greasy preaching blues song. And you kind of alluded to it before that you kind of let people do what they're going to do. Was there was there any prescription that this was going to be something like that with that shuffle beat? Or did that just come out? No, we didn't, those guys? we didn't talk about it or any that. It just sort of, okay, it just went that way.
that, you know, all even from that'll change from night to night with the same band too. It's not like I don't want it to be, I don't want anything that we did on this album to be set in stone. You know, my what excites me is I don't want it to, I want it to be alive, you know, and the next time this band gets together and we play, I don't, I don't want it to be, the, the album is just, like almost like a starting point or something it's yeah a template yeah i mean you were you were at the concert in seattle and at, jonathan couldn't make that gig there was rudy royston played so it wasn't quite the same band but that was we had played the night before in portland and then we played in seattle so that was our second live gig and I was so excited with both of those gigs because it felt like, okay, now we're we're off. You know, it's like we we played the songs from the album. We might have even played something else that wasn't on the album, but I can't remember. Basically, it was music from the album, mm -hmm. but not, you know, wasn't in the order that, it was on the album and it wasn't and there's just all kinds of right immediately it's like oh wow there's this other pathway we can take you know we can go this way or we can go that way or we can like the thing about the even tempos that i don't tempos change from day to day you know it's not it's not like i can never quite figure that out like if you see a band and the guy has a metronome and they it's got to be the same i i don't buy that really it's yeah the the yeah. tempo depending on the size of the room and the sound in the room and the just what you're feeling like at that moment the tempo could be there's a right tempo for the moment you're in. You know? I I think I gained a uh, uh, an insight uh, about the album four by going to that concert at the the Moor, and the thing that struck me visually uh, as I uh, as I enjoyed the concert was how much time, uh, you know, there was you know. Uh, a forearm kind of leaning on the neck of the guitar. The piano player had his hands in his lap. The drummer was just kind of head down listening. And the NBA was maybe one cymbal hit or maybe it was just one hand on the piano. And there was so much space, so much uh, underplaying, so much understatement and just like listening. And maybe like, I think this just needs a, like a harmonic here. And uh, I was like, that's why the, the album sounds that way. You can see it. You can see how much downtime people are just, listening to one another and then you listen to it you're like wow that's that's a lot of space in there that uh yeah. well that's what also with those guys that's what is and right off of off the bat i mean so that takes a lot of time to to figure that out to have that kind of trust where you don't have to feel like you're 
filling in every sometimes it's frightening you know when there's no no sound and it's like oh god i better <laughs> sort of panic i better put something here but you don't always have to you know the that air is like then it can if you get to use that the same way you that there's so much power in that space you know when you're imagining that personnel for the band was it a conscious decision to not have a bass player and to open up that bottom end of the spectrum or was it just like okay with these guys and it happens well we don't have a bass player yeah that was the other thing that i sort of had a panic attack because i wasn't thinking like i said it it was the group of people was it was about the personalities and i wasn't even really thinking about the instruments i was thinking about this guy and that guy and how this would all relate together so i wasn't thinking about the it just didn't cross at first it didn't cross my mind and then it was like after i had already talked to don was i said yeah i got i was thinking about with jonathan and gerald and da 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 thinking these us four together would be amazing and then he said he said yeah let's do it and then i think it was the next day it was like oh shit <laughs> Wait, no bass, you know should i do i need to get a bass and and then i i had to kind of be strong with myself like not pan i there was a moment of panic thinking to get a bass player would you know it'd be a safe way out or something but no i thought no i gotta stick with my what my original idea and just see what happened and i didn't really know there was also when we recorded i didn't you know that was the very first time we'd ever all played together so i didn't really know but but then i remember being in there i'm in there and i got the headphones on and i was like wow this is stuff was happening that i you know it was really thrilling to hear that <laughs> combination of personalities
Thank you for listening. Craft Brewed Music, both the podcast and the Music Discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brewed Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.